0: All right.
1: Well, you know what we haven't done in a while. What? You know what we've done in a while? What? Welcome to Products of Grace. My name's John Terrell, and with me today, I have. You broke the liturgy. I did. Trash. Did. It's fine. No, fix it. I'll do it. Do it again. We're, this is all going to make it. No, I want, <laughs> I, I want you to do this.
2: <laughs> wah, wah,
1: wah. What is it? Right now, it's like almost a podcast up by Mercy Hill Church. Oh yeah, welcome to Products of Grace. Is that it? A, a, podcast, a podcast by, by Mercy, by Mercy. Mercy. Hill Church. Where do we go? <laughs> <laughs> where the elders love each other. Yes, and where we are besties no. <laughs> for the resties.
2: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's what I was gonna say. Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, that's so funny, bro! It just hit me. <laughs> <laughs>
1: We're coming for you. <laughs> We're in a body statue. <laughs> just do the opening. I give up. <laughs>
0: Welcome to Products of Grace, a podcast by Mercy L Church. My name is Lawson Harlow. With me today, I have Don Terrell and Blake McCullough. <laughs> so, Don, what are we doing today?
1: You know, I've noticed in your liturgy, you've start, you for a long time you said, I forget how you say it, you say, so with me today, or today with me. What is, English teacher, what is the actual proper? Probably doesn't matter. You don't think it matters? Just your chosen syntax. Really? So you've been fl- you flipped that do for several episodes. Yeah. So like, do we even have a liturgy? No. No, not anymore. So what are we doing today? <laughs> hey. If I said, if I said Obviously we don't. Hold on,
0: so if I said <laughs> I told him to, do I use two os or one, or one o there? Oh my gosh. One o's awesome, it's one o. Right? One o yes, yeah. bro. Okay, that's what I thought.
2: That's a easy. But it's still not good. Two grammar. os is a double scoop. I know. Bro. I know you it's not. You should say I told him to do what you told him to do, but this is Dig this is hole. not like a, I, This is I didn't put this in a paper. I'm just saying like I was I I texted this. You need to watch your O count on twos on Twitter. I've noticed. <laughs> what was the one he is just? This, put? A, this is an extra so lost and saved.
1: He just tweeted something about Care Bears. Did you see that? No, it was hilarious. <laughs> so bad. Josh Kubler got me. That yeah, was so. Did. Funny. I didn't even know what to do. with it. I had no idea he what you perfect. were talking about he until perfect. he
2: responded to it, well, and awesome. I was like. Are you the type of man who just like turns it up? You like finish the last word of a paper and you're like, "All right, submit." <laughs> I read the paper I just. I actually not only did I read the paper, I listened to the paper I
0: just
1: read. Okay, thank you. Do you do you proofread your text messages before you send them? No, God. I don't proofread my text. But ma- you, you and Julia, if I had a of who, dollar who for
0: proofread. every time that I deleted a tweet immediately after I tweeted it, I would be a wealthy man <laughs> because I'd send it. I look at it afterward. I'm like, ah, <laughs> I'm an idiot. I'm so, you an know, idiot. they're <laughs> <be> coming <laughs> out with an edit button, but like, care, when, because no, Elon that was Musk. An April Fool's joke. No, was it? But, it was on April first. Okay, so. but Elon Musk now owns a large portion, yeah, of ten percent, which is the majority, right? Sure. Yeah, he's so, the largest
1: passive shareholder. So Andy's on the board of directors now.
0: So what would be awesome if Elon, if you hear this? an edit button. He, he, edit he'll buttons hear are it. problematic. He'll hear also, it Elon, if you hear this, <laughs> send, no if. send me $30,000 to adopt a child. Thank you. That's it? That's your wish list? <laughs> I mean, I feel you like... One much? shot with Elon. If he sends me $30,000 to adopt a child, he's done way Elon, more than Elon,
1: we need $1.9 million. million dollars.
0: <laughs>
2: <laughs> We're going to buy a building. charitable. It's charitable donations. And yeah. a decked out recording studio. For real. I don't know. I think we should leave our roots? I don't know.
0: <laughs> At a certain point, we become so professional that we can't make the joke anymore. I, know. I think we should
1: just
2: carry our mics around to like a different restaurant every week. Just and so that's where sure. we Set record? Up yeah. Yes. You know, I wanted to record at the just, Olive Branch like Christmas Parade on a float. <laughs>
1: Holy moly. <laughs> and have yes. the banner deck out, deck out the float. Let's Protestant Grace by Mercy Hill Church. Y'all the,
2: donate so we can do it this yeah. next year. I like like, pull up, be like a big church-wide event where we dress the float. <laughs> and then we record. you have people dressed candy. up as memes. <laughs> and
0: throw candy. just man. And you know what kind of candy we throw? Tootsie rolls? No, no, no.
1: <laughs> Dark chocolate peanut butter cups? No. Yes. Banana laffy taffy because that's our colors. Gross. I love banana Yellow? laffy taffy. I uh, can't do it. That's Have you our ever colors? noticed how it makes your lips chemically? <laughs> it does something it's dude. Like a like, film. Yes,
2: yes. <laughs> you <y'all> are nasty. <laughs> I can't with fake banana flavor. All right, we are totally
1: off script. So, what are we doing today? Today's episode ties back to a former episode where oh, they always. Blake and Lawson covered a few Q and A's from our faithful listeners who had submitted, and not everybody got their questions. Which in is sad time. because we love our listeners. Yeah. So the name we're, of this episode is people. Leftovers, Sass, and Double Taps. <laughs> Excuse me, <laughs> Leftovers, Sass, and Double Slaps. <laughs> Hold on, did you plan to mess that up, or did you actually mess no, it up? No, I actually messed that oh, up. Okay, good. Double, double, double Slaps. slaps. So, Lawson is... A, so, this is the... You, did you see it? So, Lawson... <gasps> what? Lawson he always just does got that in like, I know
2: Beth, it. Beth bought pretzels <laughs> at the grocery store today.
1: Bro, I thought he Peanut got... Peanut butter field. This picture. What is it? Holy nights. What's That's that? What's he gotten into? He put spray a... Spray paint? He hit a can of spray paint and it got it. Wow.
2: Hatchet. With a hatchet? Bro... That looks like a filter. Bro, I thought he was dead. We'll have to post that. Can we post
0: that? <laughs> 100%. All right, we got to. Our Sorry. new mascot. That's yeah. crazy. All right, so All back right. to you. All right,
1: leftovers, sass, and double slap. So we... We're still in uh, this joy right now, and it blesses me. Who, mine? Yeah. No, I'm, I'm so ADD, I don't even know where I'm at. Okay, cool. So Lawson, this past Sunday... Yeah. Preaching... And I have, I listened to the whole sermon today to find, here's what it is. So I'll give the context. So afterwards, after the sermon, so this is 28 minutes and 27 seconds into the sermon titled, The Kindness and Severity of God. Severity. Severity. Does that severity. bother you? Severity. Okay, whatever. Just press on. <laughs> Does it make you feel better if I say severity? I don't know, just... just. So he's preaching. He takes a long pause. Yes, he does. Everybody leans forward. He he preemptively (laughs) apologizes
2: and says,
1: excuse my sass. Oh, I hate that word so much. And I laugh. I audibly laugh out loud. Can you hear it on the recording? No, you couldn't. Oh, that'd be perfect. And was totally silent shamed (laughs) by everybody here. And I'm like, these people... Have totally bought into who this man is because they take it, <laughs> they take his face value normal. And I, I wanted to stand up and do the RC sprawl to everybody saying What is wrong with you people? That's not normal.
2: I wanted to put it on a little.
1: <laughs> yeah, this the bra, br- br-
2: you should.
0: I mean, the, should be. There's bra.
1: All right, so here it is. Yeah. Let me turn it up yeah. so the people can hear. It. It's twenty eight, twenty seven. I, I don't even remember when I said this. Here it is. And for lack of better terms, pardon
2: my sass.
1: men for himself. Notice what it says.
2: That's so crazy. Hold on, let's see it. All right, I'm cringing. Stop. Turn it off. Oh, do it again one more time. No, do What did I say? It was at twenty-eight, twenty-seven. Oh, I, na- I landed on it. Here we go. And for that is the biggest gasp.
0: Pardon
1: my sass. The Lord simply responds, please. <laughs> I stand by that. <laughs> I stand by that. That's the mes- message version. <laughs> yeah. 21st century. A- we have the 21st century vernacular.
2: <laughs> Please. Please.
1: That long pause is what got me. I was like, he's about to say something serious. No,
2: <laughs> no, he didn't.
1: That, that's not serious. I looked over at
2: Sarah and I was like, he is so proud of that.
1: <laughs> what? I don't
0: even think about that. That stuff just comes out. This is, the, this is both the joy and the problem. With stream of consciousness. I had notes, I swear. I, I had those notes up there. I think I looked at them one time. I'm so over notes. He had on his notes. Pardon my sadness. Yeah, so I, can, wrote that out. I wrote
2: that out. And then that under out. it said, Keep what, preaching, big what's dog. So, what's <laughs> so big dog?
1: Don't. You got this. You got this. <laughs> <laughs> what's up? So? He's just got like self encouragement. <laughs> Don't sweat it, bring it home. <laughs>
0: what's so funny is that like Blake's notes he's got these just really well crafted tiny notes sentences (laughs) yeah tiny notes
1: I have good eyes yeah Julie mentioned when you were doing the table on the on the pub table she's like I don't think i would ever seen his tiny book (laughs) i had never seen such neat and tiny writing (laughs) it's like yeah it's really impressive yeah it really is. One of my Thank favorite you.
0: things about when we do the Lord's Table is the fact that um, normally in small group, afterward, there's like, I say, like, what was your walk away? And almost every single time somebody says, can it be from the Lord's Table? I'm um, like, absolutely, yeah, bring it. certainly. It no, I can. mentioned that the one I went to. Well, they mentioned it at
1: mine, so. Uh, leftovers. Leftovers. Do you eat them? Oh, yeah. Do you eat them? Awesome. It depends. All right, so if so, you both eat them. What's your favorite leftover cold straight from the refrigerator? Oh, nothing. 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 There's nothing oh, that
0: actually. Oh, this okay. is so This is so cliche for me. I I can eat cold <laughs> mac and cheese, like cold.
1: Mm-mm. That mm-mm. that hits a gag reflex. <laughs> <laughs> mm-mm. Mm-mm. What about
2: you, like? Uh, I I nuke everything. Yeah, everything There's else on my cold. <laughs> You've never had a cold leftover. I mean, yeah, I have them, but I'm not like I don't choose it. Yeah. Yeah, so if you're going to eat it cold, what would it be? Probably pizza. Pizza. It's like the thing yeah. that I can't imagine. It's the only thing that I can imagine. You know imagine what my other cold? one is? <laughs> I did not even know. This ties in. Oh, chicken strips are also good. Lasagna.
1: <laughs> cold?
0: You do not. No, it's dis-
1: no. <laughs> that's it's just
2: like a wall of food. <laughs> that's disgusting. <laughs> <It's cold. laughs> yeah. That's so gross. <laughs> it's like someone could shoot a bullet and it wouldn't go through this. And it's I'm like, going to eat it. <laughs> give the man mouth to mouth. No, no, no. He's okay. He had
1: lasagna in his pocket. <laughs> The bullet did not go through. (laughs) You will watch way too much Will Ferrell stuff and Napoleon. (laughs) That's That's so true, bro. I I love it. It's like all the flavors meld together and then you get a certain flavor when you chew it cold. And then listen, bro. Your mouth warms it up. (laughs) (laughs) Everybody's gagging right now, driving down the road. That's so nasty. They're like, Like I actually like, (laughs) I'm... I'm, (laughs) (laughs) Because <laughs>
0: I was actually going to say one of my favorite leftovers is lasagna. Oh, my Warm favorite up. leftover is lasagna. Yeah. It does By get, get far, better. Yeah.
1: Lasagna is one of those foods that gets with better time? with time. 100%. Yeah. What, what else? Yeah. Any other foods that you'd say get better with time? Um, I, I mean, pretty much any casserole. Soup? I like a soup better over time. Yeah, they meld together. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to think, what else? I like poppy seed chicken. I would say poppy seed chicken warmed up is good. I yeah, haven't had poppy seed chicken in a while. Sarah made it last last week, two weeks ago. Did she make your version that I heard about? Your famous version, or you can never recreate that, right? No, she just you made you never had the same meal twice. Yeah, I, yeah, I just kind of throw some stuff together. I'll, uh, like I don't
0: roast, like roast recipes. Roast rice and gravy heated up for me is one of my favorite things. But part of that is because I'm a like I'm an experiential eater, like I've got something I want to do with every meal. Sometimes I want to sit at the table. Sometimes I want to like sit down and eat something and watch a movie. Mm. And so like if I get a bowl of something, like rice or something like that, I can eat slowly for a while. Do you use eat. your fingers?
1: I don't. On that that meal you don't? Any, no. So soup for you requires a spoon. Soup, rice, anything that requires a fork requires a fork for me. Okay. What, do you, what do I use my fingers for? I don't for? know. Every time I see Lawson eat <clears throat> He's
2: always. I tear
1: things apart. Yeah, you yes, tear. You're a
2: macaroni noodle.
1: <laughs> What's inside you? <laughs> More cheese. Saucy. <laughs>
2: Pardon my sauce.
1: Says David. Right.
2: You might oh, have name my name in college God. was Saucy Lossy. Yeah. Was it? I. I still refer to you as Lossy in my own household. Really. <laughs> 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 I still refer to you as Balagae, yeah, and I call you Donald a hundred percent of
0: the time. Really? Yeah, Unapologetically. No Just out of sp- no, no, it's out of spite, a spite now. now. Yeah.
1: All right, it's y'all so ready? Spite, we got a lot of questions, a lot of leftover questions. One, two, three, go. Okay. So with that, gentlemen, <laughs> let's that sack the doggies a bag. What do you think about that? Doggy like bag. A doggy bag. <clears throat> I like this one. If the internet will work and pull up the definition, here it is. <laughs> this is from Idioms for Kids. If you hear Did a you mint hear right now, this is for it's, idioms. Don, it's uh, Blake, not Lawson. Okay, go ahead. Well, nobody gets mad at Blake because he just has a respiratory issue. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I'm asthmatic, okay?
1: <laughs> they're all like, they want to judge him. They're like, ah, man, he's barely making it. <laughs> <laughs> all right, this is called Idioms for Kids. <clears throat> the use of the term doggy bag is to believe to have gained its origins from as far back as World War II when people believed that it was unacceptable to waste food. As such, people who went to restaurants were allowed to take home leftovers in waxed paper bags for their dogs. Today, the concept is still officially defined as such, but it is also used to include any leftovers from a meal that can be packed and taken away to be eaten by people, not just dogs.
0: I would like to make a formal recommendation uh, about our liturgy. Okay, I would like all of our idioms
1: to come from idioms from
0: children from this point forward. So I knew he would have
1: something to say. So you know what my follow up idiom is? Shut up, hush, pu- <laughs> hush, puppy.
2: You know uh, where a hush puppy comes from? The I was food. always told that they threw the batter.
1: Yeah, the, there's a bunch of you know. No, it's all no. wives' tales. This guy wrote a huge article on it. I'm not going to read it. <laughs> phenomenal all phenomenal waste of time. <laughs> <laughs> but it says, uh, it says it used to be called red horse bread. <laughs> in South I Carolina. Why they changed the? Name. It all got started in South Carolina, huh? Did I say that right? South Carolina. That's not a real country. <laughs> South Carolina. Uh, let's see. I don't know. I won't read all this. Yeah, There's let's something just, you let's can just look, look all, at. Yeah, let's just it's super all. interesting. It ended up going into everybody in the South for mm-hmm. as long as far back mm-hmm. has been frying little mm-hmm. corn mill balls, mm-hmm. and it morphed into hush mm-hmm. puppy. Mm-hmm. But it has nothing to do mm-hmm. with throwing dogs dang i don't speaking of me.
0: i had a hush puppy the other day that had rotel in it and i was angry ruined it pressing right.
2: on i gotta tell my grandpa he lied to me
1: all right <clears throat>
2: which one do you want to start with
1: i don't
0: care you're the you're the moderator your of this thing
2: drive it
1: uh, <sighs> yeah. let's Captain. go with a uh if you own the twitter, softball. if you own the twitter yeah. you you direct it is it sinful to break the speed limit that's oh, such a good question. It is bro. a good question. Austin,
2: what do you think? Is it sinful to break the speed limit? I told and you if I it is, why do one? you do it? <laughs> That's <laughs> where I'm at. It's like it's like the easy answer is yes. And then it's like, uh Yeah, I don't I don't know.
0: Yeah. All right. <laughs> well, I go back and forth on it, like, is it a violation of the law of the land? Yes, but what is the intention of the law of the land? The law of the land is to restrain uh, car accidents and things of that nature, and there's a penalty. I think, yeah, I don't know. I get back and forth It's a
1: risk reduction inside a society that tolerates risk.
0: Yeah, and and it does. And and I don't think, like, the fact that the law, this is a large portion of it to me, the law doesn't actually abide
1: by it, right? Right. Nor do they enforce it consistently, Right. Well, there's also a tier of penalty because if you do 25 over, that's considered reckless Reckless endangerment. Yeah,
2: yeah. A friend of mine sent me a list of things that, like, is actually from the Gospel Coalition. Don't nobody cuss me. I just, I thought this was kind of. (laughs) We all know you're trying to quit. (laughs) Uh, (laughs) So uh, anyway, it was like a bunch of lists of things that like some people think are sinful, some people aren't, and this was on there. Yeah. And they said, I thought it was really helpful in developing discernment. You could ask, is the Holy Spirit convicting me that it's wrong? Mm. Then it is. Is it causing a brother or sister to stumble? Then it is. Is it harmful rather than beneficial to my faith? Which I feel like speeding is helpful to your faith. You just trust the Lord. <laughs> you're going to be all right. Is it that mastering? Is a joke. Yes. Is it okay. mastering or controlling me? Is it causing me to be disobedient to someone whom God has put in authority over me? Which in me? that case, it would be Yes. Am I judging others who don't agree with me in this in this gray area? That was yeah, a good, good it, it is an interesting.
0: I, I really I go back and forth on this, but I, I think you need to understand the the intention of the law, and you also need to understand that I don't think that all laws uh bear the same weight or penalty. Period. Yeah. Sure. No, that's real. Yeah. That makes so, a lot of sense. Yeah, and I think I, to be really honest with you, I think it's a tax. I think it's a tax. Call and we should pay tax
1: we should pay taxes.
0: Yeah, so <laughs> press on, brother. <laughs> yeah. Um no, but I, I I really do think it's essentially I think the good, just a good safe
1: ethical Christian world view would be submit to, to the, the laws. governing authority, yeah. yeah. Yeah, to where we call them good. And yeah. when you understand the theory behind the law or yeah. the logic of the law, it's to reduce risk and therefore save lives. It's yeah. the same reason why I grew up in a generation where the seatbelt buckle law was enacted and yeah. everybody freaked out over it. Yeah. And it's like, what do we do by and large now? We all buckle our seatbelts. Yeah. <clears throat> mm.
0: But that sure. was, I mean, I remember when that was a night that I was in third grade <clears throat> and, or I, no, I was in first grade because we were, the, the public school was teaching you like you, for every time you put on your seatbelt, you got a sticker. This was, mm-hmm. if, if you had your seatbelt on when you arrived at ch- arrived at church, arrived at school, you got a sticker. They were just
1: trying to mold that. It's indoctrination. All right. Let's talk about observing Lent in the uh, Easter season. LOL. We're in it. We're in it right now. Yeah. We are. Oh, bro. I saw. I got a fish sandwich at Arby's. The other I day. saw a. Speaking actually, of, hold on. It's just fast food is trash. Yeah. Except for Fish from fast food. It doesn't matter. Like, they've stripped out every. It's been a long time since I had fast food. And I was so irritated <laughs> that I had this fish sandwich and I had a four piece mozzarella cheese stick from Arby's. Join their cheese sticks. Gosh. Next to Next none. Next to none. I knew what you were going to say. Next to none. I know your words. <laughs> I know who you are. And at the end of the meal I was like, I I ate a donut. (laughs) There's no fiber. There's absolutely nothing that hit my stomach that said You were hungry still. Yeah, it just vaporized. So I got out carrots. I got out carrots and hummus and just started putting fiber in my body. Yeah, that's what that's the issue with it. It made me so mad. I text Julie, fast food is trash. Anyways, (laughs) Lent she
2: was like, I've been telling you for twenty years.
1: So speaking of. Yeah, so Lent (laughs) I you wrote a long thing on Facebook. I thought it, it was good. Why don't you just read it? What
0: are you talking about? When did I do this? You Holy responded to the question bro. because it was yeah, It was episode. really good. Oh, did I?
2: I Remember that? <laughs> I was asleep. <laughs> I don't even. Did, it was it's so on early on in the morning. I had just put my jeans on. <laughs> <laughs> I
0: cleaned out my. Uh, my uh, jean drawer? My, you have a uh, jean drawer. I, look
2: at, I think of Lawson's Closet as like, you know, in the movies where he's just got like 15 pairs of the same jeans. Yes. And he's like, which? Oh, my, my Wednesday jeans. I'll put those on. <laughs>
1: no, 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 Beth. Hang hey, those up.
0: Those, a, those a are first, my work jeans. It's the first It's the first week of the month jeans. Second week of the month. Uh, anyway. Get out of here. So,
2: oh, these um, are standing Lent, up on their own. Time to, time to rotate. Lint is a,
0: I, I'm trying to pull up the actual thing that I said, but I don't know where it is. So It's on Facebook. Products okay, so are Grace. One of y'all I'm not. I'm pulling um, it up. Yeah, he's got it. But Lent is... You're
1: going to have to read it. It's your words. <laughs> oh, I'll read it. Why don't you read it Pardon and I'll comment sass. on what I said. Oh, that'll be good. Be please. Like That's what <laughs> we always need to do. <laughs> I mean, anytime you say please. part my sass, you've got to follow <laughs> it up with, please. <laughs> 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 this is
2: a useless <laughs> podcast so far. <laughs> um, shoot.
1: Scrolling the feeds. I'm sorry. That's guys. what I'm saying. Like, I didn't want to do that. It's on Products of Grace. How I, hard found it. It? I found it. I found okay. it. Okay. I found right, it.
2: Here we go. Here we go. Hang with us. Don't hang up You didn't respond. You must have. I didn't delete it. I responded to that. It's like
1: over in the. Bro, if I can find it, I'm not even on Facebook because Google I see serious. the original
2: commenter. I don't see your response. I did comment. I remember now. But I could just answer the question. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. It's I'm on the shoot. big page. It's, on, it's not on the mobile. Charles, oh, it's because I have it on most relevant. I'm sorry. You doing well? Good. Sorry, it did. Here Facebook did not deem your comment as relevant. Oh, it's still not. Ugh. Sorry, All right, just answer the question then, and so we'll compare it back Lent, to your notes. Lent is a Lent is a church
0: tradition mm. um, that I think is a violation of of um, the clear teaching of Jesus. But the whole pur- the whole purpose of it is that you take a period of time, the 40 days starting, starting the 40th day before Jesus's uh, crucifixion, that you fast and you fast from something specifically normally, uh, but there is a Catholic concept of fasting that is something quite specific, which is normally a dietary fast, which is, you know, I'm, I'm trying to be as a general rule a real biblical fast doesn't gorge itself on that, which it's fasting from the day before you begin the fast.
1: Bro, I don't even think, I don't think itemization of fasting is Yeah, a real I was going
2: to say, I think the problem, it's problematic to say it's a fast. Yeah. Even, even for, because there. it's not
1: actually
0: a stopping, a ceasing of eating and drinking or because yeah, I think it's like,
2: don't call it a fast. Yeah. But that's, but that's the, but that's what it is. Idea, I mean, yeah. yeah sure. I, but
1: I think if you were going to teach, Biblical fasting, yeah, it would be yeah. abstain from food altogether. Yeah, agreed. And and have water. Yeah, I mean, yeah, and and to me, that's the biblical fast. Like, yeah, but I
0: think there are different types <clears throat> of
1: fast. I don't want. I
0: don't want to. No, 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 no. But I'm saying like that. Like Daniel did actually fast, right? He rejected something, and so I think that that's a that's a reasonable principle. And I, and I also think like that there is a real sense, and I mean, let's just
1: be precise here I mean biblically there's fasting from sexual yeah but he was saying intimacy. that he was not gonna eat foods offered to idols right right I wouldn't call that a fast I would say that's abstinence like but he refi- saying, he refused meat altogether. But I guess you're right. Yeah, it was yeah. it was in particular. Yeah, I just I, for me psychology. like to itemize fasting. I think we've de- departed from the true biblical model. Well, the purpose of a, the purpose of a fast is to. You know, it's like, hey, I'm going to fast from social media. I'm not saying that's not a real like. Thing. Just stop
0: doing it. You don't yeah. have to call it a
1: fast, right?
0: But the purpose of the purpose of ceasing to eat is so that in the midst of your hunger you're depending upon and you're bringing your petition whatever that petition might be to the Lord it's a, it's yeah. a, it's a prayerful purpose in fasting yeah um the the linton understanding of fasting is first of all i think that the birth of it which is ash wednesday is um just the the initiation of the fast is is completely against Jesus' teaching because the whole purpose of fasting is that no one else knows that you're doing it. It's meant to be something that's between you and the Lord not to be demonstrated so far as to say that Jesus states that you should all your all your hair all your face you present yourself very clear and and as if you are not fasting right you're not trying to draw attention to yourself right. the way the pharisees did which let's be serious if you're walking around with
1: a with an so action that's your cross, only blessing if you yeah. pray like the sadducees and pharisees do lifting holy hands you've got, on the corner you, you've that's it. all you get yeah, it's now, all you is get the praise from men yeah
0: um and so like if you if you want to that's that's the that's the counter of this is like if you want to take a break from something for forty days. Okay, like I'm not. I just don't think it belongs on the church calendar, and the way that it's spoken of is this is an act of spiritual devotion, and, and whenever we whenever we calibrate spiritual devotion to a particular time period, that that causes me some some concern. Um, so I I don't think Lent most certainly is not biblically commanded. I would say the way that it's most regularly practiced is actually against the teaching of Jesus especially in regard to just fasting in general, if you have a desire to fast from something, fast from something, but do so in the biblical sense, which means that you have something that you're petitioning the Lord for. For instance, I know a family who um, fasted every weekend for, I mean, uh, years. And their fasting on the weekend for years was their fast was to pray for their unconverted children, mm-hmm. and they and they prayed for their unconverted children every like that. They devoted themselves to fasting and to prayer, and I think that's a that's a godly, a, a godly expression of biblical fasting. That's I mean that's the rapid fire.
2: Yeah, just don't let people bind your consciences to say like you need to give something up for this forty yeah, days. Yeah, was
1: it Paul David Tripp that had something out on? fasting?
2: I don't
0: know. But the the other the other side of that is like there should be an expectation of fasting. Like let's not let's not move past that. I mean I, there there is a very real sense that the Christian should yeah fast at points in their life, but there normally is an intention behind that fasting. Um and so I think that's that's most certainly reasonable. I just as a general rule for me, I don't really abide by a church calendar anyway. I don't really see a whole bunch of merit in it.
2: Um, Lawson doesn't believe in Christmas.
0: Lawson loves various aspects of Christmas, but Lawson does not believe that Christmas or Easter for that matter is a linchpin moment in Christianity. The linchpin yeah, moment was the actual incarnation and the actual death, burial, and resurrection of our Lord. We live in an era in which he has been raised. He lives today. Can tomorrow. I read an article by
1: Paul David Trill? You cannot read an article. You read an excerpt from the an article. excerpt. So he says, this is posted on Crossway, what has you in its hold? Don't rush to answer. Stop and give this question some consideration. What do you feel you can't live without? What has the ability to make or break your day? What has the power to make you very sad? What can produce almost instant happiness? And the questions go on. What masters on. you is essentially yeah, the question. Yeah, idols. He says Lent is an important tool in the inescapable battle that rages in all our hearts between worship and service of the creator and worship and service of the creation. Lent calls us to remember once again that sin reduces us all to idolaters somehow, some way. It gives us a season to take time and reflect on things that have taken too strong a hold on us, things that we have come to crave too strongly and love too dearly. It reminds us that often things that we are holding tightly have actually taken an even tighter Hold on, us. Here's the core of the struggle. As long as sin still resides in our hearts, we will all have an inclination to ask the physical creation to do for us what the Creator alone is able to do. Uh, I won't belabor the article, but he's obviously he's saying, saying it's an excuse. It, it's an
0: opportunity to kill idols.
1: That yeah, lint well, is an he opportunity. Said, to, specifically, he says it's a useful tool. Is that what he said? Yeah, that's lent, what he said. It's that's an important yeah. tool. Yeah, I I disagree. Yeah, I would. I struggle to call it Lint. You know yeah. what I'm saying? Like it's like that should be part of our sanctification. Right. Yeah, that's nor yeah. I was my It's my not whole like fault. if yeah. you fast. I've always heard that. Yeah, yeah. It's not the scriptures doesn't say if you
0: fast. When. But when you fast. Yeah. And and there's a very real sense, by the way. I mean, I, one of the things that I tell people, especially as they're dealing with as they're dealing with some sin or idol in their life, is Hey, there's no ifs, ands, or buts in this. There is no coddling, like cut this thing out, right? Burn it to the ground. And part of that, I think, actually is fasting and pleading with the Lord to remove this from you, to help you flee from sin's temptation and snare. But that's not like, if we're dropping that in 40 days, like I, yeah. think, I think the better... To me, I would almost change it to say, yeah, Lord's Day worship is a useful mm-hmm. tool for the destruction of idols in your life, mm-hmm. right? And, yeah. and, and the normative flow of everyday Christian life, which might include and should include fasting, prayer, Bible intake in the community of the church and the observance and enjoyment
1: of the ordinances. So we, we agree in the definition and the practice, just not with the church calendar and, and naming it Lent.
2: That's where I was at with him. Like, I think all of the things he said were good. Right. That's where I was at too. But not just for these 40 days. And I think sometimes, you know, like when we think about fasting, like oftentimes
1: we think about it in the negative sense, like to put something away, to flee from it. But I also think like. To beseech. Yeah. Well, it's, you know, for me, like the times that I've fasted that I can most recently remember is, you know, times in my life when there were things in which I was weighing out. Yeah. You know, like in determining there were earthly factors that have shiny objects to it, like more money at a job per se. Yeah, and it's like you know, I James tells us, right? It's James in the book of James, it's a sin if you if you say tomorrow we go to yeah, such and such to town to make x amount, yeah, to make x amount, and we don't beseech the Lord. Yeah, and so it's it's a to me it's a symbol or a sign of reminding myself how closely flesh clings and how yeah, you know how it 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 wages war in a yeah. sense on us, and so. To restrict it to to almost like denourish it, and yep. then just totally and wholly commit yourself in prayer to the Lord to say, you know, these are the things that I believe come from Your hand, and mm-hmm. I want I want guidance, and I want to be able to submit to Your will, and trying to discern what yeah. that will would be. Because mm. I think the hardest things for a Christian sometimes is to ch- is to choose between two equal goods. Mm. You know, what yeah, I'm saying no, like, I totally how, like, how in the world totally do you agree. do that other than just you know saying, I, I seek the Lord and I seek His face in yeah. this decision, and and I rest in His peace that He grants me yeah. in whatever decision that is, and yeah. I think fasting has a definite application Absolutely. there, and it reminds us of the sufficiency of God
0: in either decision. Right, mm. it's like like what you what you said about you know choosing a job. I think one of the more most prominent decisions that we make is where I'm going to live, what job I'm going to take. And normally, you're always choosing between you're normally not choosing between worst case scenario and best case scenario. Mm-hmm. And one of the best things that we can do is simply remind ourselves in the moment. Look, God is sufficient, and if I have nothing, He's still sufficient. If I have everything that I've ever desired and wanted, mm. He's still sufficient. And so there's mm. just this this endless reminder of going back to the fountain of all sufficiency. Mm.
1: All right, next question. So that one, we thank you, Rebecca Cobb. Shout out. Shout out. Next shout, shout out. out, Carrie Mayo. What about taking the Lord's this name is a in good vain? One. Like, what does that mean? What does it mean to take the Lord's name in vain? Blake has a face. So Blake's going
0: to answer it first.
2: I just thought it was a good question. <laughs> you made
0: a face. <laughs> Blake <laughs> has a silent. face.
2: Well, okay. I, we all have faces. We do. Uh, I think it means a lot of things. Okay. Right? I mean, like, Growing up, it was it was just reserved for saying the word God in a way that was not reverent, right? But I think that that could be part of it. I just pulled a hair out of my mouth, <laughs> <laughs> and that's problematic
1: because I don't, don't have, any, have hair. any hair, so it's <laughs> it's not mine. And it was mm.
2: it was about mid size. Uh, All right, uh, moving on. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I think it's expansive. My apologies. That was <laughs> I don't not even planned. know where to go. That's not on the script, fellas. <laughs> all right, I, do you want me to do now? Yes. Okay, so let me come back. All right. So,
0: um taking the Lord's name in vain. I grew up with the assumption that I was I was really taught, right? Using same thing you just said, using the name of the Lord in in a irreverent manner. I was actually taught by uh one pastor that if you use a particular phrase with the Lord's name in it that's commonly heard in movies and such. It's really inappropriate that it was the unforgivable sin. Mm. Wow! And uh, that was an interesting perspective. Um, yeah. But anyway, so it was really interesting as I walked around and said, "Oh, well, you don't get in." Right as I hear people say, <laughs> wow. like, "Shut the I door!" I was like, I was like six when I heard this, and I and I was. I, I took it as to it bank. is very
1: heinous. It, it is, is, it is yeah, try the conjo Should try get the conscience yeah, of every sure. Christian. Yeah, when it is heard, Certainly. But so
0: I think that's that's one way to think about it. I think it's a reasonable way to think about it. Yeah. But, but the I think that the the fuller understanding of it is mm. carrying the name of the Lord in an unworthy manner or mm. in an when you were in an unsent capacity. Mm. So like I'm carrying the name of the Lord. I, let, let's let's assume that I'm carrying His banner. Mm-hmm. Right. I'm making my way to battle or something like that for him. And he has not sent nor condemned the actions that I'm mm-hmm. carrying out. I am profaning the name of the Lord or to put it in maybe a really specific context in Israel. I'm a prophet. And mm-hmm. I say, thus says the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I'm a false prophet. You are bearing
1: the name of the Lord in vanity. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And you shouldn't be surprised when they stone you. To do what it. about this example? What about in the garden with Adam and Eve? when Mm. he says, what did you do? And he says, you gave, because Adam would have said that to his neighbor if he said it to God's face himself, right? He says, you gave the woman. It's you that gave the woman to me. That's always struck me as using like- Yeah, you're bringing charges against
0: the name of the Lord. Yeah, I Mm -hmm. think that could certainly have an application, but it's far deeper than-
1: Well, I think like despairing in our earthly circumstances as Christians, and it's like- how, how dare this happen to me and yeah. we and we levy yeah. we levy charges yeah, against we don't, the name of the lord yeah one,
0: to go i think maybe we already made the reference to the rc Sproul quote of, how, of who do you people think that you are right. or what's wrong with you people the, the, the idea and the and look we don't underestimate nor do we diminish people's sufferings and trials yeah. But there's never an appropriate time for you to be angry with God. Mm-hmm. Like when we see that recorded in scripture, it's not a bright moment for the mm-hmm. individual who's angry. It's descriptive. It, yeah, he's recording them as they were, as Blake just mentioned, descriptive. But we should not be aiming to mimic anger with God, mm-hmm. right? There's a reason that like when David writes, be angry in your bed and do not sin. Mm-hmm. We We are not angry with the the God of infinite grace and kindness, mm-hmm. anything that He's given us, and this mm-hmm. goes for the reprobate too, mm-hmm. right? Breath in your nostrils mm-hmm. and is an expression of His kindness. Right. He's given you way more than you deserve. Mm. We don't get to be angry with Him. Sure.
2: Yeah, I was also thinking about like blaming things that you want to do on God. Blaming meaning? Like God told me to break up with you. Oh, oh Absolutely. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. that's good. That's like, It's misrepresenting God. Yes. Here's uh, one. Hit us with it.
0: The The Lord called me. We believe the Lord called me yeah, to come with you. Yeah, that's where I'm at with that. Yep. And then three weeks later, the Lord has called us elsewhere. <laughs>
2: the Lord and called me to make more money.
0: <laughs> really? He has. Three weeks is the... The word of the Lord, that's how God strong I said, it lasts. It was not yeah. yeah.
1: That's being flippant. Huh? That's being flippant. Yeah. It's being flippant with the name. Yes. Yeah, I would yeah. agree. Yeah. Yeah. Um, all right, next one. Ready? Is that okay? Yeah. yeah. We good with that? I'm, sure. good yeah. with that. All right, I'm good. Shout out Ethan Campo. Ethan. Old Testament saints <laughs> indwelled as the New Testament saints by the Holy Spirit post Pentecost. That's kind of the I just shorthanded all these questions.
0: This is, um, (laughs) this is a really good question that I've changed my mind on three times in the last five years.
2: Wow. So Um, where are
1: you now now? currently?
0: Currently, um, the question really comes down to what happened at Pentecost. If I, if I, if I can answer the question, what happened at Pentecost, then I can answer this question. Well, I'm beginning to be convinced or maybe am completely convinced. I don't really know yet that the, it's it's just part of theology sometimes. (laughs) Um, I'm largely convinced that Pentecost was the moment in which God opened the eyes of his people to see and understand the revelation of Jesus Christ, both in the Old Testament and also progressively throughout the New um, so they gave ability to see and to behold. So that one of the reasons I would argue this is because of Peter's sermon. Peter's sermon at Pentecost, as he's seeing and beholding all these things, as he immediately begins to grab Old Testament text and preach, and he preaches on the Lordship of Jesus Christ in particular. And everybody there, what are they believing in? They're believing in the message that they're hearing about the gospel preached from the Old Testament. They're starting to see Christ, right? Well, in the Old Testament, we know that Christ was concealed. Right, like he's present. Like we read through the Old Testament, and we're reading, you know, we're reading Genesis twenty-two, and we're like, "Y'all, that's about Jesus." Like, no questions asked. Leviticus sixteen, we're reading about the day of the time. That's about Christ. You're reading about David and the and and the the promised king. That's about Jesus. We know that, right? But we know that because we're on the other side of Pentecost. We know that because the Spirit has so chosen and is delighted to reveal Christ to us in the Old Testament and I mean, just in general to reveal Him to make Him known. So. I'm largely convinced that that's the major shift between the Old and the New Testament, the Old and New Covenant, even, if you will. And so that we see him in full form. He is not concealed. We're not searching and inquiring carefully anymore about the person and work of Christ. We see it in totality.
1: Um, so... Can I just add one thing? Yeah, for sure. See if you agree. But all of those Old Testament saints would have would have searched and inquired carefully right. of the spirit of Christ in them yeah. as they wrote right. of the person and the time. Yeah. But the office was always the Messiah is coming. Right, right. And I believe in the one who will completely and totally fulfill the day of atonement. Absolutely. Or actually sit on David's throne yeah. everlastingly, yeah. right? But they were, yeah, absolutely. They were, But like... But we know his name, and I think that's right. what's so... Right, I think that's a great way like, to put, Yeah. So, I think it's what's so important for us as as believers now, we know his name to yeah. be the name above all names. Yeah. And that's the name of Jesus Christ. Right. That has huge and significant importance yeah. on, on the, as the revelation had unfolded sure. that we actually, when Christ stands up and says, yeah. many have longed to see what you yeah. see, right? Yeah. And it's now in your presence. Yeah. So g- going back to the original question, I, I
0: agree full sail because the, the major the major premise there is that they are still by the spirit looking forward to something that the mm-hmm. spirit has not
2: been pleased to reveal as of yet because the fullness of time had not yet come. Right. Okay. So go ahead. I just feel like most and I also feel like most of the times in the when it says in the Old Testament that someone was filled with the Spirit, yeah. That the context points to something completely different from what? Like yeah, so From I, what we experience. It's an anointing presence. Well, I was thinking about uh, Exodus 31, a holy ebb. Oh, name. yeah, you're going to where I was going. And so it says, I have filled Blake? him with the Spirit of God with I ability. Yeah, he's a, 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 the Exodus. It's, an, it's an anointing presence for it the was purpose of like a particular he, he task. It was almost like dropped the blueprints into his mind. Yeah, yeah yeah. yeah, yeah. And so, gave them these abilities. So we think about, <laughs> yeah. so the Spirit... the spirit. can I say one thing?
1: Sure. But we have to agree... <clears throat> that the economy of salvation has never changed. Of course not. And right? the yeah. spirit has always been circumcising the heart Absolutely. of the believers yeah. and giving them faith and giving them yes. eyes to see. The question is again n- not where they saved differently because we would say the spirit saved in the same way economically yes. no matter where you are time place or history. Yeah. The question is, what happened on Pentecost? What was then further poured out? Right, And so that's yeah. what you're parsing. Yeah, that's
0: what I'm saying. Because if, but, but Jesus if, was excited about but it,
2: if we, like sending a helper. Yeah, right. but
0: if we don't understand Pentecost appropriately, mm-hmm. then we have to say that that's the giving of the, 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 the Spirit initially. That's when yeah. he comes originally. Right, right. And which, we, would which, say no, no. we would say no. But, but we say that there's a unique measure poured there. Did the helper come in a unique way there?
1: Absolutely. All right, right so mm-hmm. let, me, let me ask this. This is where Charles Spurgeon was really helpful. The Pentecost of every believer. The Pentecost of Every Believer, sometimes I, send
0: which, him, sometimes I send him sermons and I regret it afterwards.
1: I think I found this one on he my just own. That I the it to you. So it's like when 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 the Spirit was poured out on Pentecost, it was the Pentecost of every believer. And Pentecost, even for those believers who were held in Sheol hmm. in mm-hmm. Abraham's bosom, were were this is what Charles
2: preaches charles. can we call you charles yeah like <laughs> what he says is that they
1: yeah. every every chuck every believer you know it's like when david writes early well, in psalm when i awake i will see you as you are yeah and so there's this idea in which they understood they were ushered into the throne yeah, room of grace and that that is but but there but there's what have
0: the the saints of who have the saints who had gone before they received that revelation when jesus descended Certainly. It, but but there is a very real sense where it's like, boom, we
1: know. Yes. Right? So. But he's saying that uh, Charles was preaching that occurs that every, for every Christian. Yes. And even those Christians held in shield, right? I mean, now we're parsing yeah. transcendent and eternality yeah. and time and space. But he was making the argument that we can't confine Pentecost to just those believers in the early church in Acts. Right. It actually had far reaching ramifications right. throughout all of church and all of time and all of
0: history. Which, Mm -hmm. Sorry, on that point, we've got to clarify because what we're not saying is that we should expect the same events of Pentecost, meaning fire, tongues, all of that. That's not what we're saying. We're saying the revelation of Jesus Christ comes at Pentecost is the
1: normative revelation in conversion. Do you know what my argument is on why the tongue of fire fell in that upper room? Because they go back to the upper room to where they had the supper. Mm Mm-hmm. And it's, it is the uh, allegoric, metaphoric lighting of the church lampstand. I actually really agree with this. It's a good point. In I you the say this at a section. table in a
2: table sermonette. Yeah, yeah, you said it not too long ago. Yeah. It's and good. that
1: was like, Oh, that makes so much more sense yeah. when it's like you are the temple. Yeah. You were mm-hmm. placed here in this world as my witness yep. and now the light will shine out and from What you. are
0: you bearing witness to? Yes. Right, which is the centerpiece, right? Which right. is Christ and him yes. crucified being yes. His... So let's answer his question. Okay. Um Ethan so, Campo. Yeah. I actually would call him Campbro. Can't bro okay it says uh anyway so um <laughs> <hurts my> heart. <laughs> but anyway he uh so what we see happen in the old testament we would have to say like how is it that saul becomes a new man
2: mm-hmm.
0: right does saul just up and decide that he's a new man
1: wait what saul are you talking about
0: i'm talking about saul king saul okay um saul doesn't up and decide to become a new man paul i mean uh
1: sorry wow
0: i'm just like i got saul paul anyway my brothers and my friends king saul <laughs> King Saul became a new man because the Spirit did a work in him, right? Now, obviously, we see Saul's decline, but I don't think... The the primary thing that we need to note there is there was something different. He had been changed. Yeah. Right.
2: And I, in Nebuchadnezzar? Nebuchadnezzar. Like- I mean,
0: there's a number... like. And and what I don't want to do is I don't want to parse my complete understanding of the work of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament based upon just certain prepositions, mm-hmm. right? Like mm-hmm. to in all of that. But we need to understand the work of the Spirit in three major ways: the manifested presence of the Spirit, the anointing presence of the Spirit, and the indwelling presence yep. of the Spirit. So the anointing or the the anointing presence of the Spirit, we see this all throughout the Old Testament. Mm-hmm. I think you just read. Um, a very clear demonstration of it, which he anointed someone for a particular task. Mm -hmm. We see this in prophets. We see this in priests. We see this in Kings. We see it in craftsmen. Um, he anoints them for something specific. It, It is given for the purpose of executing that office or that task, the manifestation of the spirit of God are really unique moments that occur in history where there's great revival. I think one of the great illustrations of this would actually be Pentecost. Um, And then lastly, the indwelling of the Spirit is the normative work of the Spirit of God to both circumcise the heart and enable them to live the Christian life. I don't think, I don't understand how we can, with our doctrine of the Spirit revealed in the New Testament, can look back at any Old Testament saint and understand how they lived the Christian life with any fidelity apart from the Spirit. The only way that we could do that is if we have a very high view of man and his natural ability, but we do not because the scripture does not. Therefore, we need to understand that the operations of the Holy Spirit in the Old Testament must be at bare minimum similar to the to, to the operation of the New Testament. So indwelling, so circumcision of the heart regeneration. Indwelling, which Abraham had. Yep, indwelling of the Spirit, which normally people make these arguments. If you based do upon, the
1: works, it, you should do... Greater works than Abraham, right? Is you that know what he say? Isn't you know that what uh, Jesus says? I don't I don't know which text you're talking about. Sorry.
2: It says we'll do better at greater works than him.
1: Yeah. But that's that, that's If you believe in me, right? If you were yeah. of my father, yeah. then you would be doing the works Abraham did. And actually uh, you'd be uh, doing certainly. greater, yeah, greater yeah. works. So who who yeah. So the so what I'm so the indwelling. Who vivified right. the body of Abraham yeah. to give him good works Absolutely. Absolutely. The, we the would spirit say did. the spirit.
0: So we would say the spirit must both circumcise and indwell, so regenerate and indwell the hearts of everyone who's ever believed in the Lord Jesus Christ or 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 looked forward to him by promise at any point in redemptive history. It, it, so would it be fair to
1: say that it is a further outpouring yes, of I the think, spirit? I think
0: further um is one of the best ways to speak of it. Uh, the the when you preach through John, you've got a couple of occurrences that make you say, "Ah, well, the Holy Spirit's gonna come." Yeah, and so that got,
1: that text says, "What he is with you and he and you, will be, and in he you. will be in you." But then it it, it parses word like a couple of different translations yeah, do yeah, a couple of different yeah. things with it,
0: and so it's just if you if you preach through John, you're you're going to have to wrestle with this, and that's what happened to me. Is I was as I was working through John, I went back and forth and back and forth, and eventually I came to the conclusion that I, I wasn't. I think. There are a couple of times where we deal with just the apostles, and I think some of the apostles weren't converted until after Jesus's resurrection and even Pentecost itself. And so... What type of
1: theologian are you? I would be a... I mean, there's a lot of those. What would you label yourself if you had to pick a label right now? Because I I I wanted to say something. I would say a Reformed theologian, a Protestant theologian. But we're not dispensationalists. No, we're covenant theologians. Right. And so that there's that, like a
0: thousand different categories. Yes. Yeah, but I was
1: just saying like that's important to yeah. understand in this conversation. Like if you want to know more, then what would you Yeah, I would I would I would look at covenant
0: theology in general because it it assumes some consistency. We're not mm-hmm. presbyterian in our covenant theology. We don't flatten mm-hmm. uh the covenants. Instead, we see distinction from the old and the new covenant. The new covenant's clearly better. There's a there's there's more to be had in the fulfillment of the eternal covenant than there than there was in its shadows and types. All right, next
1: question. It says, right. what, do, uh, what does it mean, do not despise prophecies? And this is First Thessalonians five twenty. You have strong opinions on this, Don, so why don't you take it? Yeah, it says, do not despise prophecies. So this is a big verse that's helped me out a lot. And Lawson and I, you, have, you and I have talked about it. Like, I don't know if you've talked about it, but it's uh, Revelation 19. 10, says, then I fell down at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, you must not do that. I am a fellow servant with you and your brothers who hold to the testimony of Jesus, worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. As so I think like this is super, you know, when when like Paul came and you start to see his apostolic hermeneutic in which... In which I think this is what Jesus demonstrates to the disciples in Luke twenty four forty four, and then He opened their minds to understand the Scriptures that all that was written about Him in the Law and the Prophets was actually about Him, and so then it becomes it, then it becomes looking at the apostolic hermeneutic inside of these prophecies, and we would say definitely like when you look at what is that Isaiah fifty four, is is that the uh, he was silent before his shears 53 53 Isaiah 53 we would definitely all agree right that that is prophetically about the man Christ Jesus yeah. and you know uh, early early Jews in that in that time frame would have perhaps understood that uh you know he will be born of a virgin right there's actually someone in history who Isaiah was historically writing about there mm-hmm. was a son to be born but yet we understand that that meaning the fulfillment of those words was not that next generation, but it was the incarnation of our lord mm-hmm. and so I think that's therein lies i think the the command of first thessalonians and i and I think a lot of this has to do with where Paul demonstrates uh to the letter uh to the church at Corinth that he wishes all people would prophesy. He wishes, you know, Moses in the Old Testament says the same thing. I wish all of all of God's people would prophesy. And I think in some sense, we can take this to say in Revelation that the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of Jesus Christ. And I think by and large, when when you take some of these texts, I would have to imagine that you would have had those early Jews hearing these words, right? That Isaiah 53 is about Jesus. Mm. You know, they would have been... They they would have taken that as a historical reference that actually happened in history, but now you're applying it to Jesus and saying, these words actually belong to him. And that's the fulfillment of prophecy. I believe in the early church, there were many that would stand up in the congregation and say, alas, here these words are fulfilled in Christ Jesus, now look and behold. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what the Bereans were doing in the early church, searching and examining to make sure all of these things were true. And so I think there would be temptation to perhaps despise. Now, do we need to be discerning in this? Of course. Well, the next verse is actually, Yes, says so all spirits. Mm-hmm. Yeah,
0: so there's a difference That's between take. Oh, okay. there's a difference between despising and testing. Right, right. Like <clears throat> there are, there are a number of times, or someone will say something to me, and I'm like, ah, uh, I like that idea. Now let me go test it, mm-hmm. right? Because, you know, sometimes something sounds really good. Mm-hmm. And it's like, man, that'll preach, mm-hmm. but it doesn't mean it's true. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, that'll preach doesn't equal, then it needs to be preached. Mm-hmm. And so what what needs to be preached, what's true? So we mm-hmm. test it and make mm-hmm. sure that it is true. And thus,
1: then we can go and gladly proclaim it as truth. So I was reading the book of Enoch a couple of years ago. Obviously, that's a a, a book outside the yeah. canon. But what was interesting is in that uh in that book the the congregants of the church as it was being recorded were taking the uh strong men of Abraham and were like doing numerology on the amount of men that they had and trying to make that, you know, something into prophetic about Jesus. And I just think that's where sometimes, you know, I'm not I'm not, you know, parsing that, but I think you know, sometimes sometimes we we do we definitely need to be careful because I I do think that it can be abused, right? The over allegorizing of scripture.
2: Like every underdog story is just about Jesus.
1: Right. Yeah. It's well, like the gospel coalition writing about Marvel movies. It's like hey, y'all chill out with that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's like the theology. We of do not talk about
2: Bruno though. Sorry. We that, don't talk about Bruno. Sorry. That's a okay. joke. Okay. Anyways,
1: that's it. That's all I had. Yep. Anything you want to add? No, I mean, I just,
0: there is, there needs to be both a a confidence of the testimony of scripture and a confidence in testing the testimony of scripture, mm-hmm. right? What do we test it by? We test it by the scriptures because it's mm-hmm. perfectly consistent, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. So there's never going to be something said. And let's just take this into the super, like the, into a charismatic movement for just a minute. Let's just mm-hmm. assume that you're understanding a prophecy as someone comes and tells you something about the future that they couldn't possibly know. Just, if that be your view, you need to make sure to test it by the scriptures. I don't think that that's an adequate view, just to be honest with you. Certainly. But we don't take... The prophecies of an individual and say oh i 'm going to run with that I mean this is how people are ensnared because someone prophesies to them smooth things, mm. and then they say ah i 'll test it well, how will I test it doesn 't God want what 's good for me that 's not that 's not what it 's talking about right and if we're going to be if we 're going to understand prophecy in a future telling sense,
1: I do think that we probably need to adopt maybe yeah, the, the word we like to use the evangelical word we like to use in this vein is forthtelling forthtelling yeah, yeah that's that's the explanation that a lot of people use towards this is the gift of prophecy yeah. if you quote unquote have this gift to me it's it's totally disconnected and unrooted from scripture it has yeah. no application from an interpretation no, they're forth- ministering to the body yeah. like forthtelling when i was you know, thinking about this, you know, how, how we use this in common vernacular yeah. is like, I have the gift of, pro- you'll hear somebody say, I have the gift of prophecy. It's like the gift of foretelling, and one of encouragement to you yeah. around certain things that are going to come. And you know, it's just like, bro, I just, I'm not buying that. Like, sorry, I, Grotum, Gr- sorry, I
0: think you're working off grudem's definitions. It, am I? Yeah. Foretelling is the foretelling of the future.
2: Foretelling is the foretelling of Jesus. Okay. Didn't, wasn't Calvin's view of this that prophecy is is like the ability to apply the scriptures well? Which which I think would go hand in hand with That's because that's yeah, where I'm at. This is hotly debated. That's yeah. where I'm at. And yeah. I think that, like, even what you just said about yeah. a pastor who told you that a certain phrase would damn you. Yeah. Yeah. Like, he is applying the scriptures and you Aroundly. are not despising yeah. prophecy, but you are testing what he says and yeah. holding fast to what's yeah, good. Yeah, certainly. I think, I think, like, there is that application of if prophecy is applying the scriptures, which is what, in a sense, what you're saying, right? Yeah. applying how they are to Christ, then we can test very, we should test yeah. very carefully when someone says, this is what this text means you should now yeah. do. So just but maybe, for me, Revelation 19.10, I think is it, absolutely it is central. so
1: abstract, I think, that we approach it. But when you take it as the centerpiece to understanding yeah prophecy that it is the spirit of prophecy is the testimony of jesus christ yeah then it's like ah that makes a whole lot more sense yeah. that in the uh, that's just to me that seems like a gift in the early church that would have would have been widely demonstrated to say and encouraged in hey others. look at abraham and isaac on the mountain yeah. when do you think that started getting preached as yeah hey that's a substitutionary atonement yeah. and that that foreshadows jesus yeah you know i think i think like you know that didn't happen yesterday yeah you know what I'm saying? like I think there therein lies yeah. the testimony of Jesus and some of the types and shadows that we see in the Old Testament. So to
0: give a warning here, if someone says someone comes to you and says something about the future and says, "This is for you, you are not despising prophecy to say, can you give me chapter and verse <coughs> right you're not despising prophecy there they're not bringing you the prophetic word in a sense that, that the scripture speaks of it they're bringing you something yeah but you see biblical. where I'm saying
1: like I'm at that point where if you came to me with that I would be like your working definition of prophecy is wrong and my working definition That's what I'm saying are totally worlds apart yeah and I have no idea you want to know prophecy friend let me show you Abraham and Isaac yeah on the mountain. yeah no I, you know, I'm, I'm let's, let's root our conversation yeah, there I'm, I'm in agreement what I'm saying is Is that
0: normally in just everyday conversation, especially in our very, very, very spiritual world, world. right? Yes, they're going to say, "Ah, you're abusing, you're despising prophecy." That's the charge that's brought against the Mm. individual. says, "I'll show you Christ in the scriptures," and Mm. then that's prophecy. The charge brought against them when you say, "Don't bring me that," "Don't bring me," like, "Don't tell me what my future is going to hold." I don't buy that. Like they're going to look at you and say, "You're despising prophecy." I'm telling you, it's not a violation Mm. of this verse. If you say, I want chapter and verse, I would actually say that it is a, an obedience unto this verse of test it by the scriptures, right? Mm. Yes. And so that's, that's what I'm getting after. Yes. Yeah. Got it. Because I feel like we have, we like cessationists in general have people who will say, ah, oh, you're despising prophecy. No, I'm not. This is the definition of prophecy, as you've mentioned in Revelation 19, and I'm testing it by that, which I know right. was given by, by God. Through the illuminate through the revelation of the Holy Spirit. Right. So,
1: yeah. All right. Next question. Does biblical love necessitate affections or is it only a choice of will? Am I loving my wife if I have no affection for her? Am I loving Christ if I serve him but have no affection for him in that service? What about loving our enemies? <laughs> it's like nine questions. No. Uh, that's right. <laughs> <rough. laughs> Next question. So does gonna... biblical love necessitate affections or is it only a choice of will? Yes, it does affect.
2: I, it has to, I mean, it is a choice of will, but like, it definitely is a choice of will, but I just don't know how you separate love from affections. Mm-hmm. Affection. Julie said to me the other day, so she'd text me and she's like,
1: um, we were texting back and forth. Like, I love you. And like, I forget what the context was. We weren't mad at each other. Maybe we were mad at each other. But she texted me and she's like, I love you. And I was like, I love you too. And she goes, you need to, something about you need to, you need to feel it. You need to type that and feel it. You know, she's dealing mm-hmm. with affection and will. And I was like, you know, at that point, it's like, yeah, I, I think you're right. But I also think our feelings, our emotions are fallen. Right? And so I think like, oftentimes like, that choice of lavishing the object committed object of my love and always bringing my emotions and my will in line with that. Like those, like if I'm, you know, people say, well, I've fallen out of love. You know what I'm saying? Like they're, the world's dealing with in total, in totality, the fickle emotions that we have as humans. And if we, and if we're just hamstrung to those, like lockstep. Well, you'll define love as constantly being in and out of love because my affections and my emotions, and I think we would all admit as married individuals, both man and woman,
2: do ebb and flow. Yeah. I just don't think affections and emotions are the same thing. Okay. Right. Like, I mean, we, we even think like in church, we aim for the affections, not the emotions. Certainly. So, like, I don't, I don't know. I guess I'm, I'm, so are, finding we, a are we linking affection with, Will desire? You're desire. linking affection with desire.
0: So affection, desire, um, those two, th- those two things largely go hand in hand. Affections essentially drive. Uh, affections are your desire that affects your will. Now the issue is, do but your emotions do, do a, in fact? Affections are affect, or uh, uh, emotions are affected by your affections. That's obvious. Yeah, yeah. but yeah. I think your affections
2: are more solid. Like they're more. Certainly, they're more yeah. of a foundation than. Well, I just don't feel like I love you today. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So go back to the original question. Well so the go, original question
1: was: Does sorry. biblical love necessitate affections, or is it only a choice of will? Well, biblical love is first. So I think, are we? Is it even possible from a biblical worldview to parse? Affections from will—that's and I, don't I think, think that's so. where I don't yeah, think I, don't know, I can because, parse because that. Like the only way I like, can make that question yeah. real is to inject my emotions. Yeah. Well, so the bondage. You know so the bondage of the will and the freedom of the will. Two books. We have the author of the question here. We do. Charles, what do you mean? I
2: just wondered if you could describe because it seems like there's different.
1: Were you dealing though in your question with affections are tied to emotion, like like an affectionate love?
2: Yeah, I guess in some sense emotion, but not, yeah. but it seems like emotion should be
0: tied to your love.
1: Yes, yes, yeah, should submit. Yeah, yeah yes. yes. And I, I hope everybody can hear you. Yeah, they probably. It, can. So, so here's <laughs> basically here's the thought. Right?
0: Do, are our emotions driven by our or do they are they born of our will and affections for our spouse or whatever that love might be set upon? Right. The answer is yes. Right. Sure like our our affections drive what we choose what we do and that is, a part of that is actually our emotional response to things like part of, and this is something I think we probably Human need to talk more about, mystery, is <laughs> we need to talk more about the mastery of our emotions. Mm-hmm. Like part of sanctification is actually sanctification of our emotions. Yeah. Like we watch the Lord Jesus Christ in his life. We see him have absolute mastery of his emotions. He always weeps where he should weep. He rejoices where he should rejoice. Like we watch him have actual mastery of those things, and we should make an aim to do that in our sanctification as we Can grow. Can I read... I
1: mean, are we fair to read? I mean, we're dealing with the English language. Am I okay to read the New Oxford Dictionary on affectionate? Mm, probably not why do
0: it because it's probably not an an appropriate definition for our category but But I mean
1: this is English we're English speakers but but affectionate but but words change words change and evolve affectionate is I understand that we can change the meaning of a word but I think I think by and large the bias that we all share as these three sitting (laughs) here and our listening audience would be I think we're
2: gonna get to the heart of what affectionate means
1: means currently I mean, 21st century readily feeling or showing fondness or
2: tenderness. I mean, it deals with the feels. So I think that there should be obviousness that you love someone that you're supposed to love. Yes. And that question really goes out from like people that we love more naturally and people we don't love. Right. So like, I think there is a temptation to say, love your enemies. Just literally just means tell them the truth because the truth is loving. And it's like, no, like you speak the truth in love. Right. With, and gentleness, with gentleness and with gentleness and all the fruit of the spirit. Right. Like, you know, there's that kind of like we can say, love, oh, well, I am loving my enemies. I'm telling them the truth. Yeah. You know, that they're damned if they don't turn, you know, right. and it's like, okay, yes. But we also do that with gentleness and all the fruit of the spirit. But, love. But in that too there's a desire there's a
0: I'm I'm agreeing with you the desire there though is for their good. Yeah, for sure. Right like the like there is a sense in which I love someone let's say my enemy again going back to that if I'm loving my enemy I'm not only telling them the truth but I am also having a desire in my being right this is where i think the affections itself are engaged i have an affection to see them to have a desire to see them lay hold of those truths and actually progress toward them of course yeah and so it's not these these things aren't divorced from each other yeah and like affection should drive emotions but the counter to this is emotion should not drive affections all right so
1: here's the economy that i was working through earlier we as individuals who love one another can be offended and my affection wane, but my love never be
2: uncommitted. That's that's kind of where I'm at. I just don't think affection's the word. Okay, so like yeah. my, feelings, feelings, feelings my feelings can feelings be wounded. Yeah, like there yeah. are but moments. I think affection
1: has that, has that implied that it's connected yeah, to feelings so. no maybe so. i mean i don't, charles
0: is shaking his head no and he's I the author no. of the question i say no uh, sorry affections are desire like i think affections are something they're, they're i would say affections are actually the deepest part of man it's the reason why that's what i target in like i think all good preaching actually targets the affections first we want people to apprehend what's true and their desire in a different word to
1: be than affections, yeah, then choose yeah, desire. Yeah. Desire, I aim for good. desires. Yeah. I want so like yeah. Because take, then the economy breaks down, right? If it's like my desire right. ebbs and flows, but my love yeah, like is lo- 100% yeah, committed, yeah. that's trash.
0: Yeah, because actually, if you think about it, affection is what drives like the giving
1: of love. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. So, I'm just saying, I walk up to the word affection with a bias. It may be wrong, but I'm, well, I'm, 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 I'm using I'm common milded. vernacular. I uh, like I'm, I mean, it's like, yeah, we can take a Greek word and we can go into the Webster Dictionary and call that trash. But it normally, normally I those two I understand that are works not, yeah. out well, yeah. but I think in the English vernacular, I, we have to understand that there are real words defined in real terms. So I think you're living
2: in affectionate, though. Like, I think yeah, you're living yeah, I with, yeah. there are times when I can be more affectionate. And that's, like, the what you're thinking of as affections. Right. Yeah. So, like, I get what you're saying. I just yeah. don't know that's the best word. Yeah. I mean, yeah, I wouldn't say so. Yeah, but, I'm
1: saying help me. Yeah. And I don't think I'm alone in this. So give me a different word. Give are, us a so different word. Affections Fuzzies. are the things. <laughs> no, a- I'm saying the uh, the actual objective oh, word that we're affections saying. Affections
0: are whatever it whatever it is that drives your decision making, your emotions. It's the fountain essentially of yeah, all. Yeah, no, those I get things. that. I'm saying I like the word desire better. Well, yeah. sure, but I think yeah. So. <laughs> If you would like to grab the treatise of religious affections by Jonathan Edwards, but we could read it all. Yeah, we should just do that. Let's Um, just read it right now. But (laughs) but, but here's but the catch here is sometimes we I think can become callous and say that my emotions are not affected right by our affections and that's just not true like we're never so like you say you love your wife and there's no emotional so say yeah there's but,
1: but there's, there's no
0: emotion attached to that whatsoever i'm gonna question whether you love your wife yeah yeah, yeah. that's where i was trying to get out yeah earlier absolutely with enemies. yeah you, like even if you tell me you love your enemy and you're like Kicking down the door of their front, you know, like there's evidence of this. And if you love your enemy, you still do desire what's good for them. Yeah. Right. Yeah, yeah. And that can be expressed in a number of ways, but. So we, we don't detach emotion from affection, but we make sure that our emotions are driven first and foremost by affections, not the other way around. Because this is what happens in our day. Our affections, what we desire, are driven by our emotion. We flip the whole man on its head and we say, whatever I am emotionally engaged in is the best of things, is what should be driving the whole man.
2: That's a terrible way to live. It's an all manner it, of in, sinfulness. Yeah, it, it's... it's Yeah, Not a nice person to be around. No. Oh,
1: so here's what was said. Here's what was said. I said, okay, to a response. She says, I love you, text. (laughs) This man is going to get in so much trouble. No, I'm not, bro. We've been married 22 years. We're grown folks. (laughs) (laughs) Julie's bored of the podcast. She doesn't (laughs) listen So she says, I love you, which is words of amendment, like words of... uh, comfort and you said thanks no <laughs> but that's what was implied because i said i love you too and she says don't say it if you don't feel it
2: ooh. Oof.
1: so break that down what like I, I what is she what is she saying that i need Bro, to, i'm not about this i think you need your to your apologize for something. <laughs> no <laughs> i'm do. saying and i wasn't i was like i do love, i'd send an eye roll like what if i say i love you like like, it has, in my mind, like, it has everything to do with who I am. I, you know what I'm saying? Like, and I'm giving rightly so. yeah. all of you, there's yeah. no there's no amount of, like, if you're trying to deal with fallen feelings, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, we're dealing with the wrong thing yeah, over great. here because my love, it like, when I say I love you, yeah. objectively, I love you. Yeah. Like, my desire, my will, and everything is lavished yeah. on you. yeah agree okay
2: even though my feelings fluctuate sometimes
0: right yeah like if you get so like beth and i had a conversation yesterday you want to where, get your phone out and no read it? i don't because we had a conversation face to face where she said something that that wounded me and it wasn't anything it wasn't an attack on me it was something that she was working through that, that scared me for lack of better terms right it wasn't anything sinful or anything like that but it was just like oh man that set me on edge right And it and it frustrated me and I could be frustrated without being frustrated with her, mm. right? Like I, I don't impute my anger or my frustration to her, even though she just said something to me that that got a rise out of me, right? I don't need to do that because those two things are not one and the same. She's communicated something to me. It gave rise, but that doesn't mean that she, as a whole, has fallen out of my affection and love and desire. Right, right. What an incredibly frail right affection yep. and love. So, what do
1: you think the Book of Proverbs is dealing with when it says? Because I, I quote this. I quoted this to the fam, and I, I do it to myself <laughs> a lot. I mean, how can we guard ourselves to not sin? It's to know the scriptures, and so it's like a soft answer turns away wrath. Big facts, you know. So what? That's what is choice of
2: the will. Hmm. I think that's a choice of the will. Break, like, Color that in and break it down. Like sometimes people don't deserve soft answers. Yeah. And you have to just make the decision that that's what you're going to do. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like there's, you don't have the, you don't have the feelings to back up your soft answer sometimes. Yeah, they, but The,
0: the, wait, love, what were you the, the majority
2: sailor? of times that this is, this <coughs> you're in this moment where
0: a gentle word turns away wrath. Mm-hmm. There ain't nothing in you that says speak a gentle word. Right, My mom to right. To me all your the time. full emotion is behind speaking wrathfully towards someone. Right, right? like right. you're coming at me, I'm coming at you at twice the volume. Right, that's the natural inclination of man. <laughs> right, but let's place that in. Let's a, place
1: that in the economy of husband and wife. What are what are we dealing with there? You're de- I think what you're dealing with is allowing
0: your emotions to dictate yeah. what you do. Yeah, and that's a fall. and it's unloving.
1: Instead it's of unloving. Your covenant.
0: Yeah, you. What we must. This is why I make a distinction. Like, between, remember, guys,
1: don't go back over the threshold. Yeah, because, because remember, never because works we out well. We don't make
0: decisions based <laughs> you know upon I mean? our emotions. This is a part. <laughs> y'all are ridiculous. This is a We've part. We told
1: this story on this, the. I'm saying
0: this is a part of what it means to be sober minded. Yeah, being sober minded means I'm not ruled. Yeah, by the, emotionally l- drunk, bro. By the lesser parts of myself, yeah. right?
1: That's we can be intoxicated with our emotions. Absolutely, and for, for, for and sure. we can say like we can be. Yeah. We can be intoxicated, quote-unquote, with yeah. the emotion of love, and yeah. we can be intoxicated emotionally with wrath. Yeah. That's all right. Yeah, normally yeah, the and intoxication the with trash. love is actually just an intoxication with lust. Yeah, sorry. It's, I mean, it's, it's, it's not the
0: higher view, the higher thing is affection. Emotion comes to children. And we see them all the time being overcome by it. As we, but we mature, still deal with them I know, as humans. Right. Yeah, for sure. But we're not <laughs> controlled by them, right? Like if we we're controlled be. by our emotions, then then we're letting something that is meant to serve us rule us. Yeah. Right? Affections are meant to be the controlling agent of man. When our emotions are the controlling agent, then we are by definition out of control.
2: You should probably give up emotions for that, if that's <laughs> That's why we opened up the podcast this way. <laughs> Welcome to products of grace. I think Lawson's about to be controlled by his emotions. <laughs> <laughs> but you think about how often... That was often, a fun
1: conversation. But
0: that think was about how often you're sinned against. Yeah, yeah. No, for sure. If, you, if you're controlled by your emotions, every time you're sinned against, you will sin in return. Yeah. That, that's not what we're called and to. And you'll
2: mean. feel vindicated.
0: And you'll feel... But you're not. <laughs> right. No, you'll feel, yeah. feel it.
1: Yeah. Yeah. All right. Next question. Man, we spent... We I don't
2: even know we Did got that even come close that.
0: to answering your question.
1: That was oh, shout okay.
2: out, shout out to us! Shout out to us! He says, <laughs> "Shout out,
1: um, hey, Matt, Carver, e twenty five twenty seven You ready for this one?
2: That's weird. Carver sent me that. You ready for? No, ready. Go ready ahead. for.
1: Matthew 25, 27. Oh, are we you, doing exegetical stuff now? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, oh, okay. and at my coming, I should have received what was my own He's with interest. Flamed. He's about to get flamed. I'm so the question it right is now. 15 or 30-year mortgage. Or the question is mortgage at all. So I, I just want to lay this out. I will not answer this question. I just want to lay this out. So Matthew 25, 27, this is Jesus' words. Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and at my coming, I should have received... What was my own with interest? The only way a banker can pay interest to a depository client is that we are at the same time lending money. At the same time we're lending money. So the only way that we can pay interest in deposits is to actually collect money from loans that we make. And so I think I think therein lies, you know, the the sometimes our abuse of precepts and proverbs. Is you know, like the idea of wine is a mocker and beer is a brawler, we would definitely say, yes, one who is succumbed and intoxicated mm-hmm. with it, right? And it comes with a great cost. And we would definitely say those who abuse money in the in the lending world, we say you're a you're a transmission away from bankruptcy because you have leveraged yourself to the hilt, mm. you've abused money and you have no savings at all for in case of an emergency and it's all a house of cards that comes crashing down. Mm. So I think by and large, we have to be able to say that we have freedom in Christ to use and be stewards of God's money, even stewards of debt. And so I think herein lies like there's the freedom there. And we would have to say either, you know, Christ is giving, and we know this not to be true, he's not giving a sinful example, but he's giving a demonstration of this is a healthy economy here. When used right, and you should have deposited the money to earn interest. I just always thought it was a helpful thing because that gives rest to my mind as a, I mean, lender. as a banker, yeah, as a yeah. lender. So, 15 and one who actually uses uses the yeah. uh, solutions, the resources of of a bank, as sure. as I'm sure many of our listeners do. And yes, like I think the other side of the coin is the um, borrower is slave to the lender. Yeah. And I think definitely that relationship exists in which we should understand the finiteness of our life and that we should be uh, instructed as good stewards to not use debt on indefinite terms, but yet we would want to terminate those mortgages in due time because it does in the end save money. Yeah. You know. So 15 or 30? I think it just depends on the on the use case. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. Just don't be, don't be a slave, like
2: don't be house poor. Like, yeah. there's so many things that go into it. Yeah. People are, like, car rich
1: and house poor. I mean, there's all sorts of, like, messed up things that we, we do silly fiscally. Mm-hmm. But right now, here's my take. You ready? Olly molly. Here's my take. If you got cash in the bank right now, it's negative eight. Like, it's, it's losing money. So, like, all of these kids know about... Kids, listen up. Come in close. Y'all <laughs> know about TikTok. Y'all know about Twitter. Y'all know about all these things. I don't think the kids use Twitter anymore. You should be researching and studying as stewards on how to invest your money because if you're just putting it into a depository account and you're not earning anything and it's actually rotting away at negative eight percent based on inflationary pressures then the question is where are you investing it and there's numerous markets you can invest it in. You can invest in the stock market. You can invest it in the real estate market. You can invest it in precious metals. You can do all sorts of things. <laughs> I, feel get like out you there. Just, I feel like
0: you should <laughs> did a commercial for Ben Shapiro <laughs> get right out now. There. Of like Welcome to the Dave Ramsey show. Educate <laughs> yourself. All right, rapid fire <laughs> questions. I accept
1: your You've terms. I'm not going like to speak like to Two hours. hours. Um, <laughs> Bitcoin. Uh, here's the next one. This is it. We're wrapping on this one. Okay. Marriage. <laughs> It's, it's ready? nice. Um, submit one to another in love out of reverence for Christ. This is out of Ephesians. This is before he gets into the instructional marriage. Mm-hmm. So the question is, when it comes to primary, secondary, and tertiary matters within marriage, where are disagreements between husband and wife okay? And disagreements we can have, disagreements about, I mean, all sorts of matters, right? We can have disagreements about money. We can have disagreements about doctrinal issues. We can have disagreements about raising children. Yeah, Should definitely agree on doctrine so we can go to the same church. Certainly. And I would say you should agree on money so you could have the same bank account. Oh, I heard it. Yeah, I'm there with you. I stand by that. Uh, The the
0: doctrine one, I actually, you just gave me a good idea. Thank you. The litmus test of do you agree on doctrine is will you be glad to go to the same church? Yeah. If you can't be glad to go to the same church, then your doctrine is not um, equally yoked. That I think that's actually that's a great. really helpful category. Thank you, Blake, for that. That will now be included in all of my premarital counsel. Well, that
2: came from you, Lawson. When, you think about, like, when I think about your three levels, which you stole from Dr. Mueller, I think about... <laughs> I gave him credit. Dogma. I mean, I changed it, but... Like, I, yeah. dogma, we're brothers. Yeah. If we agree on dogma, we can say we're brothers. Yeah. We agree on doctrine. We can say we go to the same local church. Yeah, and then like tertiary, we can, you know, make clubs up about you we know, don't dinosaurs and stuff. About these. Yeah, yeah, like stuff like that. Design, do we yeah. do we mutually
0: encourage one another, Blake? <clears throat> we do. Yeah, I mutually. You're encouraged. all right, Don.
2: Thanks. Anyways, <laughs> at the bare minimum, I agree on money, but like doctrine has to be the same because it'll just become like a a thorn. It really will become a point of contention. Side. Yeah. Yeah. I
0: I think I I can speak to a couple of situations that I've seen in my life Mm -hmm. where there was a minor disagreement and the minor disagreement becomes a major disagreement the moment it becomes of any substance. It becomes the thing. Yeah, it becomes Mm -hmm. becomes the thing that Mm -hmm. you're poking at all the time. Mm -hmm. And normally what it does is it sucks the life out of both members of the marriage. Mm -hmm. And if it's doctrinal, here's what it will ultimately do. You will either uh, agree, disagree, which means that you never talk about it, Mm -hmm. which means that you've just removed the Bible... From your discussion category inside of your marriage. I do not encourage that. That's Mm -hmm. a really good way to kill your marriage. Mm. Um, Or you'll just find a church that's like a common denominator. Which is almost never a good option. Yeah, Like if you're going to be something, be it.
1: Mm. Right? but Go ahead, sorry. No, no, you go ahead. I was going to say, but for the man to be, quote unquote, the head of the household, right? Yeah. I think of that early part of Ephesians before it really gets into the heart of marriage. He says, submit one another, therefore, out of reverence to Christ. And I think we can definitely take that and apply it into the economy of marriage. Because I think ultimately, if we have a man who loves the Lord, he is submitting, his body is not his own, Sure, he loves his wife as his own flesh, and he's submitting to the supreme objective authority over his life, which is good and lavishing love on her. And so I don't understand under that economy, right, of submitting therefore one to another out of reverence for Christ, like Christ, and the church, the church does to Christ because yeah. he's the head of the church. Right. Then I think like once you get that f- operating correctly in your marriage, I really don't, you know what I'm saying? Like I just think like we're of one flesh at that point. Like at what, like at what point, I'm not saying we both have to like fried catfish or blackened catfish. I'm definitely <laughs> thinking like there's oddball <laughs> stuff here, yeah. but I think like doctrinally, uh, you know. You should expect
0: conformity, like yes. progressively in your marriage. Like, yeah. It should. One of the things that I find to be really odd is when a married couple is at total opposite ends of, of an issue. Mm. And it's like, I would have to assume there's been no growth together in this. Mm. You've both taken different directions and you probably have failed to discuss them, which is problematic anyway, because, you know, I. I say in premarital counseling, if you get one thing right and it's communication, you're fine. Mm. Like if you can just get this right and you can learn how to have a fight, Mm -hmm. I don't mean like ugly fight, but like a disagreement Mm -hmm. and you can work through that together, understanding that the end of an argument is actually reaching a conclusion, Mm. not being angry and going in different directions. Mm -hmm. But like the assumption is that if we are being molded by the same thing. And we should be, going back to the original premise that Blake laid out, we should be able to have enough doctrinal, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Compatibility. Compatibility, right? That I'm in the same local church, I'm being formed by the very same things, I'm moving in a certain direction. And it's just really odd for me to see some married couples pull in different directions. At a certain point, I'm not saying this is always the case, but at a certain point, I have to ask the question, are we actually abiding by the biblical mandate for marriage? Because I at that point I really don't know. Um, is the husband leading? If he is, then he then that would include doctrinally, right? Mm-hmm. Is the uh is the wife submitting to her mm-hmm. husband? Like and are they both, as you've mentioned, submitting to the authority of the word of God. And, and they're they one
1: flesh, because that's the word you're using. Is that conformity? Yeah. Is yeah. that is that is that the two cleaving together yeah. and becoming one flesh? In a
2: real yep. sense, yeah. yes. And I do think like that submitting to one another. Exists in so many different ways, yeah. like in your own marriage. Yeah, you think about the ways that we can, in a sense, like some. I I love to say this in premarital counseling because there's just some fellas who come in and they're like, she's got to submit to me. And like, yeah. And you got to submit to Christ and submit to one another. And there are things that she's smarter than you on that you're going to submit to her wisdom. You know what I mean?
1: Yeah. I mean, that's big facts because, you know, really there's times when like as men, like we're way off and she's there (laughs) to serve, you know what I'm saying? And to be a helper. And it's like, (laughs) hey, you need, you know, nut, you know, this is her nudging me. Hey, you need to get in the game on that yeah, because that's going to be a problem yeah. and you need to take control of that. Yep. And it's like, all right, well, I got my marching orders. Well, guess who I'm submitting to? I'm submitting to her, but yeah. I know that she in wisdom yeah. is looking at the circumstances she's submitting to Christ. through a biblical lens and she's submitting to Christ and yeah. saying, Hey, you, you might be being lazy right now. Yeah. yeah. And, and yeah, let's hurt it. I, I, I obviously agree with that. The, the, comes the, the butt guy.
0: No, there but there is a there is <laughs> Big a butt. butt guy. There is a butt in the sense that that type of mutual submission that you're talking about there does not carry over into into the into you rejecting your position. Sure. Yeah. Which is, but, but the reason I say that is because normally what happens here, the moment mutual submission is mentioned, all of a sudden then we have egal, egalitarian right, 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 right. perspectives, right. which is not the case here. Being a good and godly husband means that you understand the good gift that God gave you and your wife. Yeah. And so like I told Beth last night, this is funny, Don, you'll get a kick out of this. I told Beth last night that she's my best counselor. And she said, I'm better than Don. And I said, <laughs> uh-huh. 100% you are. <laughs> and I said, because, because what Beth That's helps so me do, so, because what, what Beth helps me do is navigate myself. Like she helps me navigate myself. She knows me well enough to to help me. She knows where I stand on every issue, just like everybody else does. Uh, that's a joke, but um, but anyway, like she helps me navigate myself. Know when I need to restrain. Know when I need to push forward. Like you've just mentioned. And so, some of that is hearing her and understanding that her guidance is a gift from God. Right? And so what it doesn't mean is, oh, I can neglect my leadership and I can, like my my submission to her is in essence my leadership at the same time.
1: Yeah, and I think think in my hypothetical case was like, hey, you need to get in the game. Like ultimately that's left up to me. Yeah, absolutely. You know what I'm saying? is not a usurping of quote unquote biblical economic authority, right? It's just like, hey, my conscience, in a sense, I think where she's coming from is my my conscience is clear in this matter. I've spoken this word. It's up to you now,
2: head of the household, to determine what it is you need to do. That's not it. Go ahead. I remember, like, specifically a moment where Sarah said to me, The way you talk about theology is so arrogant that Mm. it's pushing people away. And at first I was like, No, that's not true. (laughs) 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 Uh, Demonstrating (laughs) the truth of what she said. (laughs) It was like, Right, I forgot married. And I was like, And there was a sense in which, right, like, she was giving me very good wisdom from the Lord. And I was. I, in a sense, submitted to that wisdom eventually, and it was a submission to Christ. Yeah. So the the submission aspect here is
0: not a encouragement of nor an embracing of the effect of the curse sure. at all. Right. Right. But, it's not course. looking at her right. desire for your leadership, right? right, and saying yes, by all means, take that. That's, that's not laziness. what. It, absolutely. That's, that's, that's not what we're saying. Yeah. But we're saying that God so gives actually good she's gifts demanding
1: should... to be a godly leader. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah.
0: She's demanding you to be. That's a right. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. 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 absolutely. Yeah. Yes. Which is a gift from good. God. Yeah, yeah, a good, good. holy gift. Amen. The
1: um, that's all I got. That's so, all. We're out of questions. I think if we missed anybody, my apologies.
0: The the to summarize all of that, I would say being equally yoked goes deeper
2: than just being Christians. Yeah, I'm with you on that. Yeah, yeah. I'm with yeah. you. Yeah, it's doctrinal. doctrinal. Uh, who's got the Bible verse? I had it last week.
1: Lawson, do it. So in conclusion, Lawson has a Bible verse. 1
0: Thessalonians chapter 5, verse 23. Now may the God of peace himself sanctify you completely and may your whole spirit and soul and body be kept blameless at the coming
1: of our Lord Jesus Christ. He who calls you is faithful, he will surely do it. He will surely do it. Won't he do it? So I'd like to thank my fellow elders, Blake McCullough and Lawson Harlow for the time spent today, fellas. You are not leftovers. You a couple of loaves of fresh baked bread, baby. <laughs> my brothers and my friends. <laughs> Godspeed.
2: <laughs> Language, diction, if you will. Yeah. Hmm. Oh, it's just never mind. syntax. Hmm.